Modern life. Between careers, kids, and health, it can be mayhem. That's why we're here. I'm Dr. Lisa Varghese-Kroll. And I'm Dr. Lonre Falusi. We're physicians, moms, and longtime friends who break it all down for you. Wondering how to juggle all the balls and still stay sane? Looking for advice but don't want to be overwhelmed? Curious about how to make the most out of life for your family but enjoy it at the same time? You're in the right place. Welcome to Health and Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. On this episode, viruses are the reason for the season. Why is RSV making headlines? What should parents do if their kids are sick with a respiratory virus? And how can we protect our little ones from RSV, flu, and COVID this winter? Join us for all this and more. Hey, Lonre, how's it going? <laughs> hey, Lise. I'm uh, doing okay. You know, just watching one of my least favorite sports, virus tennis. <laughs> I'm a rehab doc. Is that some sort of pediatric, <laughs> secret pediatric term? <laughs> you know, virus tennis. It's when, you know, one kid comes home from school with a cold, serves it up to her sister, who then sends it over <laughs> to another kid in the house. It's actually no fun. <laughs> okay, I do understand. And we are very familiar with this exciting activity at our house yeah. as well. <laughs> at any given point this fall, seriously, our kids' school has been like 30 to 50% absent, both wow. kids and teachers, due to viral illnesses. It's like a ghost town over there. It's it's wild. It's so wild. And it's big news, not only in your household and my household, but it's also making news nationally, you know, especially concerns about RSV and the flu. Right. But before we dig in, let's make sure we explain two of the viruses that we're going to be talking about. So first is RSV or respiratory syncytial virus. This typically infects kids under two years old and is so common that most kids have developed some immunity by age five. It can cause the same symptoms as the common cold, symptoms like fever, cough, runny nose, sneezing. And RSV is also known for often causing wheezing, especially in younger kids. Mm -hmm. The other virus we're going to be talking about is the flu, which is caused by the influenza virus. This is usually more severe than the common cold. It can cause high fevers for several days, fatigue and muscle aches, along with the cough and runny nose. This is not the common cold, which is caused by a number of other viruses like rhinovirus, enterovirus, adenovirus, and others. All right. So what's happening right now and how did we get here? Yes, we, we would seen... all like to know the answer to this. Yes, yes. <laughs> I've got the us, answer. <laughs> yes, yes. You got some time? All right. Let, let, let's settle in here. I mean, one thing, you know, as a pediatrician that's been so interesting to see is that we have been seeing RSV forever. Right. Great. But it's now making headlines. Uh, and why is that? You know, it's it's become more prevalent, it seems like. So hospitals, doctors offices are packed right now with kids who are coughing and wheezing. So why is that? RSV is actually surging earlier than usual this year. And that's coinciding with other viruses that typically have their peak in this fall season. So there are more kids getting sick right now than usual. So that means lots of coughing and fevers and runny noses. And of course, parents are finding it hard to get help in some places. Pediatric offices and other doctor's offices who see kids. I mean, we're still trying to catch up on the checkups that many parents, you know, understandably delayed during the height of the pandemic. 
So, you know, it's really tough for parents that are trying to make sick visit appointments now on schedules that were already full before the surge happened. Mm -hmm. And now emergency rooms and hospitals are also at capacity in many places. Oh, yes. I've heard from friends all across the country that the wait times in the ER, unless you're coming in for something catastrophic, can be seven or more hours before Mm -hmm. you're seen. Right. You know, and why is that? Well, along with there being more illness right now, like we mentioned, which can lead to a full waiting room in the ER, hospitals don't have as many open beds as usual. Mm -hmm. That's especially worse in children's hospitals and hospitals in rural areas. Even before the pandemic, the number of pediatric inpatient beds had decreased by 19%, and that just further uh, decreased during the pandemic. So imagine at least one out of every five hospital beds for kids just gone. It's unbelievable. It, it, right? And where to? Well, some hospitals closed due to finances. Insurance companies are still charging their customers the same or more, but their payments to medical providers have actually decreased since the pandemic. If you can believe adding that insult to injury after so many healthcare workers worked heroically around the clock for two years. So many medical centers just can't afford to remain in business. And then during the pandemic, some pediatric beds were converted to adult beds to make room for all the adults being admitted with COVID. And we haven't seen a trend of those beds being reopened back for kids. And on top of all that, kids and adolescents have experienced some major mental health issues during the past couple of years. Right. And we talked about this in our episode 39 with child psychiatrist Dr. Lisa Fortuna. Mm-hmm, that's right. And sometimes those mental health issues lead to a crisis and the child or teen needs to stay in the hospital to get care. And we're seeing those numbers go up dramatically. That's right. It's scary. And let's not forget, we also have fewer staff in many offices and hospitals. Provider payments have gone down, as we said, which is part of the reason. But also many physicians, nurses and other healthcare workers have left their work due to burnout and stress. After a global pandemic, when in some places healthcare workers are attacked for promoting science and caring right. for their patients, right? It's no wonder so many are feeling like they just can't continue at you know their previous pace, including mm-hmm. those who've been practicing for decades. So it's really a loss to all of us. Exactly. So let's put it all together. We have more respiratory illnesses and more mental health concerns, fewer hospital beds, fewer staff to care for patients. So that means hospitals and doctors and nurses and social workers and mental health therapists and respiratory therapists, everyone in healthcare, and certainly those working in pediatric settings, are all stretched thin. And that's why the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Children's Hospital Association recently sent a letter to President Biden and Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra asking them to declare an emergency. So that would then lead to more support for national response to the surge of pediatric respiratory illnesses, including RSV and influenza, along with the continuing children's mental health emergency that we've been calling for the past year or more. You know, so it's just it's just too much, right? It's too much for any one doctor or any one hospital to solve. Mm -hmm. Like we really do need our national leaders to step up. And we will link to that press release on this um, in our show notes on HippocraticHost.com. So what do RSV and flu have to do with COVID? Well, as of this recording, we're at relatively low levels of COVID in most communities. There are still inequities, especially in communities of color, rural communities, and others where there's less access to care and less access to information. And we can't say what will happen as the winter continues, 
but on average, levels are lower now than they were during the Omicron surge earlier in 2022. Yay, vaccines! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, woo for vaccines! You know, also, there were many public health precautions in place over the last two and a half years. You know, masking indoors and even outdoors initially, social distancing, avoiding crowds, like those things that we did to try to stop the spread of COVID. So those really did help to to reduce the spread of coronavirus and help to reduce the spread of flu and RSV and other viruses. I mean, it's just incredible that winter 2020 to 2021, we saw very little flu and RSV in our office and nationally. How crazy. Right? (laughs) Like, it was like so unreal being in a, you know, like a pediatric office in the winter. And like, where are all my ear infections? Where are all my flu? (laughs) I mean, you know, for the kids, it was good that they did not have to come in with all of that. But you you felt lonely. We understand. So, so lonely. (laughs) Too few ears, too few throats. I mean, I missed missed you. I I missed you guys. Um, But no, like we did a great job, right? Like trying to stop Mm -hmm. the spread of COVID and, you know, trying to stop. Um, And by doing that, we're able to reduce significantly the spread of flu and RSV, which was great. Right. But now that many of those measures are no longer mandated in public and people are congregating more, the viruses are spreading again. Mm -hmm. So that masking that we were all so diligent about, it not only protected us from COVID, but it also protected us from flu and RSV and other viruses. So before you, you know, fling that mask into the air, never to see it again, (laughs) remember that there are still some benefits to masking, especially in the winter, you know, because what we're not saying is that masking harmed kids' immune systems during the pandemic. The, The immunity debt myth is not scientific, and it's actually become a political tool for anti maskers. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, there's research that shows that COVID can harm the, the immune system, and there are significant concerns that undiagnosed long COVID is likely playing a role in all this increased illness as well, especially right. in the unvaccinated. So, in fact, to prevent this surge of illness, we'd need to be masking more, not less. Right. So, you know, so doing all that we can to stop the spread of COVID will also help us to better manage these other viruses. And if you're interested in more information about this, we'll link to an article in our show notes at HippocraticHost.com about why the idea of immunity debt isn't real. Yeah, absolutely. It's like harmful, if anything, that that myth. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. You know, let's say you're home with your infant or your toddler or even a high schooler who's come down with some virus and maybe they have a fever and a cough, runny nose, sneezing, you know, and you're the parent. What what do you do? So first thing, we just want you to know that we feel for you. We've been there. <laughs> totally. <laughs> we are there. Ourselves. We are there currently. Oh, my gosh. It's like, you know, again, that virus tennis, just like ping ponging back and forth throughout our houses. Um, but, you know, we're here to help. So um, so what what do you do? The first thing really is just to figure out whether you can care for your child at home or if you need to take your child to see their doctor. Here are some red flags to look out for. And if you see these red flags, these are reasons to call your doctor. Um, so fever for more than three days. And fever is usually defined as a temperature of 100.4 that's taken with a thermometer that goes in the ear. Or for kids under a year, um, doing it rectally is the best way. I'm really not a fan of those forehead thermometers. I actually have a friend who calls them random number generators. <laughs> because like, 
you know, a third of the way on the forehead. It's like a temp of 102.4 and like a quarter of a centimeter away. It's like 98.6. Maybe we should get them for home use to like buy lottery tickets. It would be even more useful for that than for actually checking temperature. Right. So like not a fan of those. Uh, Under the arm might be fine for like a first check for an older kid, but your child's doctor will probably want to know if you have a thermometer to check either in their ear or rectally to make a decision on what to do. And notice that we didn't say a high fever or any fever is a red flag. Fever in itself is not a bad thing. It's a sign that your immune system is actually working. So you don't have to call the doctor specifically if the the temperature goes up to 102 or 104 or some higher number. The thing to be concerned about is if a temperature lasts at greater than 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit for more than three days. That could be a sign of a bacterial infection or something more serious, though it's important to know that flu and other viruses can cause fever for several days as well. Yeah, and one caveat, you know, fever of 100.4 or higher in any baby less than three months old definitely needs a call to the doctor since young babies, you know, they're just more likely to get seriously ill. And other red flags include trouble breathing. If your child can't catch his or her breath, finds it hard to talk in full sentences, or is breathing unusually hard or fast and using neck muscles as they're breathing, then it's time to call the doctor. If your child's doctor isn't available, then you may want to take your child directly to a hospital. Or if they're really having a hard time breathing and their lips or fingers are turning blue, then it's time to call 911. Yeah, and here's a third red flag, dehydration. So, you know, when you feel sick, you usually don't want to eat or drink very much. And this is especially true with kids. You know, not eating much for a few days doesn't really concern me as much. You know, they usually make up for it with a normal or even increased appetite once the illness subsides. But not drinking enough gets kids into trouble. So if your child isn't drinking anything, and especially if they go six hours or more without urinating, then they may be dehydrated. You know, it's worth calling the doctor to talk through what you need to do and whether you need to either be seen in their office or at an urgent care or to hospital right away or just to kind of keep pushing the fluids at home. And honestly, even if you're not seeing those particular red flags, but you're worried, then just call your child's doctor. Maybe their temperature is consistently 104 degrees, but it hasn't been quite three days, or your child's unusually tired or fussy or pulling on their ears. It's okay to call to get advice on what to do. Absolutely. Your child's doctor is here to help. All right. So let's talk about some typical care at home. So let's say you're not necessarily seeing those red flags, but your kid is just not feeling well. The problem is there is no cure for RSV. So the best you can do is just to help your kid feel better as you write out the virus. How you do that really depends on their age, but most kids feel better with some kind of decongesting, fluids, and rest. So first, decongesting. All right. This is going to sound gross, but I love snot. <laughs> I do. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't love it when it gets all over me. Like, shout out to my two little ones who suddenly love to give all the hugs and kisses <laughs> when they're sick. I don't love that. I hope you're listening, kids. Yeah. For that kind of snot, keep it to yourselves. But I love when we're able to get that snot out of that poor little congested nose. <laughs> So my favorite thing to use is a snot sucker. 
So not those like little rubber suction bulbs that they give to babies in the hospitals. No, no, no. Those like don't do much. <laughs> but something more like the nose Frida, where it looks like a straw. You put one end in your child's nostril and the other end goes into your mouth and then you suck on it like you would a straw. And of course, there's a thick filter, so you don't get any of that's not into your mouth. Um, but, and this is why I love it, it's so satisfying when you get all that gunk out with that snot sucker. Um, <laughs> Lon, do we, do we need to set up an intervention of some kind? I'm, I'm becoming concerned. <laughs> sorry, are, sorry, are you sorry, safe guys. right now? <laughs> yeah, so I, I got a little carried away. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. I mean, you've convinced us. Those are great. And we'll link to some of our favorites in the show notes at our website, Hippocraticos.com. Um, some yes, people also- please. Let's do. <laughs> For Lon Ray to read alone by herself at night. <laughs> um, you know, some people just like plain old VapoRub, uh, those mentholated topical ointments uh, to decongest. Uh, if you use those, just use a small amount and only on the chest, neck, or back. Um, and that's not for kids under two years old. And I have to say, as an Indian man, Indians love VapoRub. <laughs> my mom, oh my gosh, she could buy stock in VapoRub and all the money would come from herself. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Nigerians, you too, love to slather things all over our kids, I tell you. Oh my gosh. Um, so, you know, speaking of like other things that you can do to kind of decongest, a teaspoon of honey once or twice a day is also really great for soothing the throat and reducing a cough. Just make sure, though, not to give honey to kids under 12 months of age. It's not safe under that age. A cool mist humidifier, you can also help to break up congestion. I usually recommend putting one by the child's crib or bed overnight, and hopefully everyone will sleep better. Related to that, push those fluids, especially clear fluids like water. Or if they aren't eating much, then you can try Pedialyte. Staying hydrated not only keeps your kid's heart and kidneys working correctly, it also helps to thin out that mucus, which helps you to clear it out more easily. And of course, make sure they get lots of rest. When your little one's immune system is working hard, it needs the other body systems to just relax a little and not Mm -hmm. use up those resources. Mm -hmm. So let them sleep, rest, get some extra snuggles. And, but you not know, not with their snot, though. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Let's, you know, check out those show notes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you need to put on some Sesame Street to make that extra rest happen, we aren't judging. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's needed. And if they can't sleep because they're uncomfortable with a fever or muscle aches, then acetaminophen or ibuprofen can help. Yeah, and other than those two medications, acetaminophen or ibuprofen, pediatricians really don't recommend other medications for coughs and colds except for kids maybe who might need medications for asthma or other chronic lung conditions, for example. But we certainly don't recommend over-the-counter cough medicine in most cases. They're often not tested in kids, and there have been so many reports of accidental overdose because many of them have like multiple active ingredients. And let's be real, they don't really work that well. (laughs) If they really did work, you wouldn't see 50 different types of cough medicines trying to get your attention in the drugstore aisle. I mean, that's the unfortunate thing. There is no magic bullet. I mean, we wish there was, but, (laughs) you know, most respiratory viruses, RSV included, they last seven to 10 days no matter what we do. So the important part is just to accept that and help kids feel better as their body fights it off. And, you know, doing other things like making sure not to spread it. So keep wearing a mask in high-risk situations, 
teaching your kids to wash their hands frequently and cover their mouth and nose when they cough or sneeze. That's right. And now it's time for our physician mom hack of the week. So this is probably the most incredible hack we've ever shared on this show. So brace yourselves, my friends. (laughs) It is this super amazing way, a crazy magical trick to prevent your kids from getting seriously ill with flu, COVID, or RSV. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) Are you? Okay. Because here it is. Get your kids vaccinated. We are so lucky to live in a time when vaccines are widely available. Flu, there's a vaccine for that for kids six months and older. COVID, there's a vaccine for that too for kids six months and older. RSV, there isn't a vaccine available for all kids, though some kids with high-risk conditions or uh, those who are born very premature are eligible to get an antibody treatment to help prevent RSV. But guess what? Making sure your child has gotten all of their normal childhood vaccines can make RSV less severe because it reduces the chance of developing a secondary pneumonia or ear infection from bugs that we do vaccinate against. So if you're not sure why we feel so strongly about this, you can listen for more information in episode six on childhood and COVID vaccines or episode 23 on the COVID vaccine rollout or episode 48 on COVID vaccines for kids under five. Before vaccines, kids regularly died from these seemingly simple infections. So call your child's doctor and get those shots. So that's our show today. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you found this helpful. Um, Definitely follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts. And tell a friend about the podcast. We might actually choose your review to share on a future episode. For example, Danielle DMD said, Dr. Falusi and Dr. Varghese Kroll are on the cutting edge of motherhood and medicine. I always learn new things and consider new perspectives when I listen to their show. And I recommend it to fellow moms and physicians and dads. It's for everyone. Aw, thanks, Danielle DMD. Aw, we appreciate you. And we appreciate all of you who are listening. Thanks, guys. And talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Health at Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. Remember that all views expressed here are our own, not our employers, and all content is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice nor the establishment of a doctor-patient relationship. Always consult your own physician or healthcare team for any medical issues. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us, subscribe, and tell a friend. And check out our website at www.hippocratichosts.com for show notes on this and all our episodes. Can't wait to chat with you next time.